welcome to this special episode. This, I think, will be might be the start of um, what will be a new microcast um, that is going to be called Little Jaunt. If you've been following Enroute over the last uh, few months, you know that I, uh, when I do interviews, they tend to be quite long. And why I would love that everyone would want to listen to an hour interview, not everyone can. So what I'm doing here is with Little Jaunt is to break them up, break the interviews up into more digestible pieces for people to listen to. And so the first of these uh, kind of test episode will be with Michael Siegel, an astrophysicist. I talked to him last month on space exploration, and then we talked about the Arecibo telescope, and we ended with a discussion on the coronavirus, the Delta variant, and um, vaccines. And so I'd like to uh, have you listen to this because it's an important broadcast, especially as we are dealing now with vaccine hesitancy. So without further ado, here is Michael Siegel. Well, the other thing that we wanted to kind of close out with is um, COVID. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been talking about that as well. And um, the news as of late, of course, has been, of course, the um, the Delta variant, and that that's now really kind of the um, number one kind of way of people of getting COVID um, in the United States right now. Um, there are, it seems like early on when we were getting um, the vaccinations, we were doing really well. And um, I would say that we still, I mean, we have a good chunk of the population that has been vaccinated, but we're now at this point where things have slowed down considerably. Do you think that the reason that's happening is because of anti-vaxxers or is it more that it's been harder for people, that we're kind of down to the population that it's harder to, to get them to, to places where they can I, get I think vaccinated? I think it's more the latter. Anti-vaxxers, I mean, one of the problems with the internet and the news cycle we have is that small, loud voices get amplified. Mm-hmm. And there are anti-vaxxers on TV and on the internet and so forth. But I think a lot of people are just vaccine hesitant. You know, these are new vaccines. And a lot of people, you know, they can't afford to take time off from work, you know, not just to get the vaccine, but to recover from having the vaccine because some because a lot of times you get sick for a day or two. I think a lot of people just, you know, they've heard sort of vague things about risk and, and so forth. There is a growing body of evidence that, it, that if you go and talk to people and answer their questions and have the vaccine there so that they can make a decision that they're more willing to listen. And I know I personally have persuaded a couple of vaccine hesitant people to get the vaccine um, because, you know, I, I basically talked to them and, they, and I said, well, all right, well, what are your concerns and what do you want to know about them? And I'm not you know, in any way an expert, I'm, you know, astrophysics, but I know enough that I could talk to people knowledgeably and at least point them to resources where they could read up on it and, and figure out what's going on. And I actually am kind of optimistic. Um, there are preliminary indications that vaccination rates are coming up. Some of the companies mm. that make them are reporting that demand has spiked recently. I think because of the Delta variant, because we are seeing numbers surge and a lot of people are like, all right, I don't have a choice anymore. I, I need to get this done. So I think uh, 
you know, it's fun to engage the anti-vaxxers on Twitter and so forth, but I think the vast majority of the people who are unvaccinated right now are just are just hesitant because it's new technology, it's a new vaccine, it's still under under sort of an emergency use use authorization. You know, they've heard vague things about side effects and so forth, and a lot of people still have this sort of mentality that well, you know, it's low risk and so forth, whereas even though the risk of dying is about 1%, the risk of long COVID and long-term damage is, is significant. So I think as the conversation progresses, if people can engage those who are more willing to listen and, and have, you know, I think really serious and uh, legitimate questions about whether they should get vaccinated, I think the more we engage those people and, you know, sort of let the anti-vaxxers do their thing, the more progress we will make. And I think, uh, we are going to see hopefully vaccination rates come up because it seems like a lot of the community is getting behind this idea of engaging people, answering their questions, listening to their concerns, you know, treating those concerns. And some of them are legitimate. I mean, the vaccine does, you know, the vaccines can have side effects. They do have risks. I don't think we should ignore that. But pointing out that those risks and side effects are way lower than COVID itself, I think is the, is the way we approach that. Um, I think that there is progress to be made here. And I think that uh, the vast majority of the public is willing to listen. The, the, the ones who haven't been vaccinated are willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And the more yeah. we are reasonable about their concerns, the more unreasonable the anti-vaxxers look. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, when I got my um, shot, one of the things that has been, I'm, I always have, when I was younger, I used to take um, shots for allergies. And I would usually have to wait half hour just to make sure I didn't have a reaction to them. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that history and because of, you know, I didn't know there are certain things that I'm allergic to that I didn't know, you know, you have to wait a half hour. Um, so, I mean, there are risks to those things, but it does seem like trying to kind of explain, you know, what how great of a risk they are, what it, all of that can can go a long longer way than being angry at someone. It seems. Yep. And I think the pandemic, I mean, it's been frustrating in some ways, but it's also been inspiring in some ways because of the trust that the public has placed in science. I mean, mm -hmm. many of the concepts we've talked we've had to talk about with COVID are pretty complicated things. And the public has engaged those. I mean, Millions of people wear masks, millions of people stayed at home, millions of people taken the vaccine. The trust that the public has placed in science has been pretty inspiring to see. And I think that continuing down that road of inspiring that trust, you know, fulfilling that trust, making sure that that trust is not misplaced, being honest with the public about what we don't know, about the risks, about the complications, about where our thinking is now, what we've gotten wrong in the past, what we may be wrong about now, I think that sort of thing is a is a really good way to approach this, and you know basically not talk down to the public. You know, I mean, people may not be experts in science, but they're not stupid. You know, talking to them like they're stupid is not going to make any progress. Engaging them like they are intelligent, reasonable people who have legitimate questions and can understand these concepts if you explain them, I think is the way to go. And thankfully, we seem to be moving more towards that on the vaccine side rather than just trying to shame and people and just say, look, get the vaccine to say, look, what questions do you have? What concerns do you have? Let's talk about it. So what do you think, um, just concerning the Delta variant, um, 
Where do you think that that's headed? Is that a concern for those of us who have already been vaccinated? Is it more of a concern for those who are unvaccinated? And is it, have we seen it peaked or is it, do we have a ways before that um, kind of wave um, dissipates? It's hard to tell at this point. I mean, certainly the risk to the unvaccinated is massively greater than the risk to the vaccinated. Um, we are showing now that in Canada and the UK, the vaccines are about 80, 90% effective. Um, Israel was claiming lower, but they actually figured out that was a bias in the way they were analyzing the data. So they're saying that they do now think it's very effective. And you know, certainly, I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. The vast majority of people who are in the hospitals, and then almost everyone who is dying is unvaccinated or, or had only one dose. And so I think, um, you know, Delta is very scary. It's, you know, and especially in parts of the world where there haven't been a lot of vaccines like India and, and so forth, it's, it's really running wild. I mean, because it's so much more infectious than the original strain. And in some ways we were kind of, I hate to say we were lucky with the original COVID, but it could, it's an example that it could have been much worse. If we gotten the Delta variant right out of the box, it would have been a nightmare. And you are talking about very serious consequences and you know that those you know one or two million dead Americans would have been a real thing. Um, so we've been very fortunate. I think that one of the things we should learn from Delta is that getting vaccines out into the rest of the world is very important. Mm -hmm. You know, if it costs, I mean, these vaccines are not terribly expensive. It were to, if it were to cost $100 billion to vaccinate the entire world against COVID, that's a tiny fraction of what we lost economically when the, when the pandemic hit. And I think that the more you vaccinate people, the fewer variants we're going to get, the less this is going to spread, the few, less variants are going to come to our shores. And so I think one of the lessons that we've learned is that we can't just isolate the United States. I mean, you know, this thing broke out in China and quickly spread to the United States. And the Delta variant, you know, I think originally broke out in India and variants have broken out in the UK and South Africa. And there's now one in Peru and so forth. You know, we can't close our borders and protect ourselves against. We have to engage it globally. And so, yes, we should prioritize vaccinating people in the United States, but we also need long-term to be thinking about how do we get these vaccines to the rest of the world? How do we get mm -hmm. the rest of the world to believe us that these vaccines are safe and that they should be taken? You know, how do we, you know, it's a global pandemic. How do we approach this globally? What do you think about the um, advice for people to, um, especially in areas where there are high um, rates of infection to, to mask? Um, this is a, a kind of a, not a mandate, but a suggestion coming from the CDC. And this comes a few for, months after. Yeah, they, I think so for don't. indoor activities, it's, it's justified. Okay. I mean, the science that masks prevent the spread of the disease is pretty good. The science of whether mandates work is very uncertain mm -hmm. because people tend to sort of judge for themselves whether to mask or not. I think the recommendation is sound. We know that, you know, I mean, let's say that the vaccines are 90% effective and only one in 10 vaccinated people will get it. Where you're that lucky one in 10, you can spread it to many people in a short period of time. And so that's, that's sort of the logic here of having vaccinated people wear masks when they're around, around unvaccinated people, especially indoors. Outdoors, it's, it's probably more safe because the vaccine, the virus disperses, it doesn't appear to spread outdoors, although we're still learning about Delta 
that may not be the case as much anymore. But I think wearing masks indoors seems to be a, a legitimate recommendation. I don't think that mandates are necessarily going to come down because a lot of people are kind of resistant to that, but making those recommendations and saying, look, you know, you don't want to be the reason someone caught COVID, mm -hmm. I think is, is, is reasonable. And wearing masks indoors, and this, I realize that this is a very fraught debate, you know, with, with people, but I, I don't think it's a, that big a, a burden for a lot of people. And so I think it's a reasonable way of protecting those who either aren't vaccinated or can't be vaccinated. There are people mm -hmm. who can't get the vaccine, the you know children can't get the vaccine, and so forth. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think it's reasonable a reasonable recommendation, especially mm -hmm. since we're still learning about this variant and how fast it spreads. Well, I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Michael Siegel. Um, and I also hope that you have enjoyed uh, Little Jaunt. And uh, tell me what you think about it. Uh, also, if you want to know more about the larger podcast, Enroute, go to our website at enroutepodcast.org. That's it for this special episode. Uh, stay tuned. And actually, we may, you may be seeing this on its own separate feed coming soon. Um, but until then, take care. This is Dennis Sanders, your host. Take care and Godspeed.